Welcome to the Better Wallet Podcast, a podcast where we talk to everyday people who have changed their lives through managing their money. We talk about their money journeys, the good, the bad, and the ugly. At least once a month, we'll have a new episode where you can learn how to manage your money better. We're going to be simplifying the money-related topics that keep people up at night, including budgeting, paying off debt, investing, and how to build a business. The goal is to make money a less taboo, everyday topic. Now here's your host, Mark Russell. Guys, welcome again to the Better Wallet Podcast. As you guys know, Better Wallet Podcast is all about demystifying the topic of money and sharing powerful money stories from people who truly beat the odds, whatever that might look like for them, and found financial success. Today is just me. (laughs) So I'm not going to have anyone on the line, just me. I wanted to do a deep dive into my experience at Vanguard, specifically my experience in the 529 department where we help parents and grandparents save and invest for their kids and grandkids. So I wanted to talk through that. And why I wanted to do that is because I started getting a lot of questions recently about, hey, like you're so passionate about like investing for kids. Do you have any kids? And I'm like, no, I just love teaching people how to invest for their kids. If you guys have listened to episode number one, you know my backstory. You know, when my adoptive father passed, he didn't have a 401k. He didn't leave any money to us. He didn't have you know, a brokerage account. He didn't have an IRA. And because of that, when he passed away, we didn't have his income. And we also didn't have you know, an estate plan. No money was given to us. There was no life insurance. There was no nothing. So because of that, that's one part of Better Wallet that I'm just very, very passionate about is teaching people how to invest for their kids. So let's get into it. So you might be asking, okay, well, I didn't listen to episode one. Why are you so passionate about it? You know, or why did you start working at Vanguard? So when I applied for Vanguard, I literally had no clue who they were. In fact, I remember telling my mom when I got the offer that, you know, I'm working for this firm. It's like a Wall Street type of firm. They sell, you know, securities, which is another name for investments. And she was like, um, like ADT, like, is that what you guys are doing? Like home security? And I'm like, no, like stocks and bonds and stuff. She's like, okay, well, be safe. And uh, I started my job at, at Vanguard. So I had to learn a lot while I was there, given that I didn't have that much experience with investing really at all. And I came in through one of the rotational programs. And what that meant is we rotated through various departments in order to learn more about the company, because the goal of the program was to one day become a higher manager at Vanguard. That's the end goal for this program that was called the Vanguard Accelerated Development Program. So I rotated through a lot of different departments. So the 401k departments, that's why I talk a lot about you know investing for retirement. The annuities department, I don't talk a lot about annuities, but that is also near and dear to my heart. And then also I rotated through their high net worth department. So working with millionaires and future millionaires and helping them to invest into Vanguard funds. My last rotation was in what we call the 529 department or education savings group, otherwise known as the college saving department. And in there, what we did was help people invest into 529s. And you might be wondering, Mark, what is a 529? So let's define the problem first and foremost. If you look at college inflation annually, college inflation annually is about 8%. 8%. 
Normal inflation is about 2% on average historically. I know nowadays it's ridiculous, but that's what it is. So college inflation is four times the amount of normal inflation. And for anyone who's an economist out there, they know that this is a problem. And this is the reason why it takes a lot of money in order to go through school and pay for school. And that's also the reason why we have the student loan crisis that we have now. One of the reasons on why we have the student loan crisis now. People are in debt up to their eyeballs because of college inflation. So the question is, how do we deal with this? Number one, you vote, right? You can get people in office to correct this issue. And then number two, if that doesn't work, you have to prepare your kids for a higher education that could be more expensive. So 529s, I think the biggest myth with 529s is that you can only use 529s for college. That couldn't be further from the truth. You can use the 529s for really anything higher education. So if you think your kid is going to get a higher education, let it be a trade school or gain certificate, let's say they want to go off and get a certification for computer science, they can do all that using the 529 money, which will help pay for tuition, right? You follow me so far? So that's why 529 is important because it helps you to save and invest for your kids and for your grandkids. Now, the key benefit of a 529 program is that when you put money into a 529 account, it's after tax, after tax money coming in, so money from your paycheck, the money then grows tax-free, And then as it's growing, let's say over 18 years from the time the child is born to the time they go off to school or even 17 years, when they take the money out, they could pay for laptops, tuition, room and board. They could pay for all types of stuff. If they're getting a certification, they can use it for certification programs. If they're going to trade school, you can use it for a trade school program. Here is the game changer. You do not have to pay taxes on that money. Again, you don't have to pay taxes on that money. Now, if you put your money into a traditional brokerage account, like if you go to Fidelity and you click on traditional brokerage and you open up an account and you do the same thing, let's say you have $20,000 of gains and you try to use the $20,000 of gains plus the money that you put in to pay for college tuition. You're going to have to pay taxes on that amount because of the structure of the vehicle that you're using, the traditional brokerage account. With a 529, you do not have to pay taxes on the earnings. So because of that, a lot of people use 529 accounts for college or for higher education. A lot of really rich people do it as well. And you might be asking, wait, is a tax advantage account? And what I've learned from you is that tax advantage accounts are not normally provided to rich people. That is true. However, with a 529, it's one of the only vehicles out there that's tax advantage that there isn't an income cap. Roth IRA is an income cap, right? A lot of other vehicles that are tax advantage, there's an income cap. But with a 529, there is no income cap. So there's a lot of rich people who use it because rich people don't like a lot of things and they do not like, number one, taxes. They don't want to pay taxes for anything. They can get away with it legally, sometimes illegally, but that's not what we do here. But that is the importance of 529 accounts. So to take it back to my story, after I rotated through the 529 department, after the 15 months of rotating, they launch you into a department. And I happened to launch into the same department 
where I had my last rotation of 529 department, which was pretty cool. I was 22 years old. And during that time, I had limited leadership experience, but I always knew that I was a natural leader. I was a resident assistant at Penn State for two years. So I knew how to manage people, but I didn't know how to manage process, which I've learned is two separate things. Managing people is one thing. Like I'm good at that. Managing process is more of, hey, like, you know, you have to meet these specific statistics. Let me help you to get there. Let's work together to get there. So I had to grow in that area. But overall, it was a great time. I learned a lot about 529s and college savings plans and everything. But not only was my job to lead about 15 other representatives, I also had different projects that I had to take on. And with Vanguard, I I had a lot to take on. I won't go into too much detail, but at Vanguard, what they try to do is pay you what they think is the right number to pay you, but then give you five or 10 different jobs and then expect you to do all of those five to 10 different jobs at a very high level. I wasn't a fan, and that's why I left after I became fully vested. But it's another story. But when I was there, I worked on project management, a lot of strategy type of projects. And then I also had the opportunity to work with not only the Colorado 529 plan, but also the New York 529 plan. So for anyone who doesn't know, when you have a 529 plan, you don't actually own the specific investments within the 529 you own the account, you own the 529 account, but you don't own the investments. What does that mean? The state owns the investments. So what the state does is the state treasurer buys into the 529 funds and then you buy into their funds, right? So it's kind of like you're renting from the state. So each state has a 529 plan, you know, a traditional 529 plan. So if you're ever curious about, hey, like I want to get into a 529 plan, I don't know which one is best for me. There's a bunch of how do I choose? What you do is you go to Google, you go to Google, you type in whatever your state is, 529 plan. So I'm in Georgia now, I was about to say Pennsylvania, I've moved. Um, You type in Georgia 529 if you're in Georgia, and then the Georgia 529 plan will likely pop up. From there, you click on it, do your research, things that you want to find out about the account. Who do they work with specifically? You know, with Vanguard, they work with the state of Colorado. They had New York. They had Iowa as being like the top three. But, you know, Fidelity, it could be BlackRock, right? So, like, there's a bunch of companies, investment management companies that sponsor these 529 plans. So, you want to see who that person is because, If you're not a fan of that company, or maybe it's a smaller company that you don't really like, then you might want to choose another one that might be more beneficial to you. So when you jump into a 529 account, they're then going to ask you, what do you want to invest in? And normally when you invest into a 529 account, sure, you can go into a highly risky strategy, you know, something that is going to provide a good amount of returns, but also provides a good amount of risk. Or you can go into something where it's risky up front, you know, when the child is, you know, zero years old or one years old, and over time, the money becomes more and more conservative. They call that an age-based fund. So if you're familiar with target date funds, which a lot of you guys are probably in, with the target date fund that you use for retirement, it works the same way. 
But instead of investing over four years, you're investing for 18 years. So that's how it's structured. So just kind of using an example, let's say Mark Jr. is born tomorrow. I open up a 529 account, Georgia 529 account. And I put Mark Jr. into a age-based option. Initially, the first few years, it's going to be really, really risky, right? Because they have time on their side. And their goal is, you know, 18 years from now, 18 to 16, 18 years from now. But as the child, Mark Jr., becomes more and more, you know, it gets closer to college, it's going to be more and more conservative. So when he hits 10, likely he's going to be more conservative. And by the time they turn, you know, 16, 17, it's probably going to be mostly, you know, non-risky securities, a.k.a. bonds or short-term reserves. Why is that important? I just talked to someone the other day. I mentioned 529 accounts, and they're like, wow, like I don't use 529 accounts because my boyfriend put money into a 529 account, and he lost a lot of money right before the child went off to school. Why it's important is because you never know what the market's going to do. The only thing you can control is where you can control how much money you put in. You guys know the drill at this point, how much money you can put in, how often you put the money in. And then number three, which people forget all the time, your asset allocation. So how much money you put in, how often you put it in, and your asset allocation. Asset allocation is super, super important. Asset allocation, if no one knows what that is, that's the mixture of stocks, bonds, and alternatives that you have in your portfolio at different points of time. So your asset allocation for retirement, for example, should likely be different from your asset allocation now, like if you're you know, 20 years away from retirement. So to go back to the story, why it's important to understand or at least be in a strategy that gets conservative over time is because in the situation I just mentioned with that specific client, they wanted to risk his strategy. They kept the money in the risky strategy for 18 years. I'm sure they did really well over the last 18 years. But unfortunately, because of how the market's behaving this month or this year, they lost a good amount of that money prior to them going off to school, you know, the child going off to school. Now, they lost it on paper, right? Like it's not real until you sell out. But in theory, they did not receive the gains that they were hoping to to gain and then also they lost a little bit of their portfolio on paper right before the child was about to go off to school, right? So that's the importance of making sure you have the asset allocation together, make sure you're going into something like an age-based fund. That way you can set and forget it because normally what you would need to do is over time you would adjust how much risk you're taking on. But the cool thing with the age-based fund, with the 529 account, even – you know, a target date fund is that if you're using for retirement is that over time, the investment manager has the responsibility of moving it from mostly stocks to more bonds and short-term reserves and a little bit of stock. So de-risking the portfolio is what they call it. Also with a 529 account, the cool thing about it is some states offer what they call a state tax benefit. So they will say, well, if you put money to a 529 account, If you put $5,000 in, we'll offer you a $5,000 state tax deduction, which for some people is a big deal. For others, they're like, I don't really care about that. And, and, you know, the third people are kind of like, oh, that's cool. But we'll see if I want to do it this year or not. 
So I put money into my 529 account for Mark Jr., who isn't born yet. I'll go through that strategy here in a second why I'm doing that. And then I get a state tax deduction. It's not much, but it is something. And I make sure I write that off all my taxes every year. But you get a state tax deduction. And depending on your state, you can get what they call state tax parity, or you could have state tax parity. What that means is, let's say I was still in Pennsylvania. And in Pennsylvania, I said, well, the 529 plan at Pennsylvania is pretty cool, but I actually want to use the New York State 529 plan because I like the 529 plan to use Vanguard, like whatever it might be. Because Pennsylvania, and there's a few other states I'm blanking on, but there's a few other states that offer it. Because Pennsylvania has state tax parity, I can use the state tax benefit of the New York 529 plan but for Pennsylvania. So Pennsylvania basically just says, hey, you're good using another state's plan. So that's how that works. And depending on your state, you may or may not have it. So that's how the 529 plan works. That's the structure of it. That's why people tend to go into it. And, you know, that's how you should be investing into a 529 account, you know, likely using the age-based option, unless you know that you're going to go in every single year and tweak the allocation to make it one where it's appropriate for the kid's age. Now, one strategy I just mentioned at a high level, but I think it's critical to talk through, is investing for your kids before they are born. You can totally do that with a 529 account. I've been doing it since the day that I graduated from school, knowing that one day I wanted to have a kid, but I was in no way in a position to have a child. <laughs> so, you know, when I graduated from school and you know, I joined the 529 department and said, hey, like I might as well just open one up to learn a little bit about, you know, how these things work and, you know, maybe get communications from, you know, Vanguard and learn a little bit more about the inner workings of everything. So I opened up the account and I put it into my name. I put it into my name and I put it into a fairly risky strategy because I said, hey, like, if I have a kid tomorrow, I still have 18 years until I'm probably going to use it. So I open up the account, start putting small contributions into it. And you could do that too. If you plan on having a kid into the near future, or maybe you know you're going to have a kid you know, within the next 10 years, whatever it might be, you could open up an account and then make contributions to it. Here's what you need to do once a child is born. In fact, when a child has a social security number, you then, once you have, let's say you have $10,000 in the account, because you invested ever since you knew that you may have a child into the future, you open up the account, you roll that $10,000 into that account, and you change the beneficiary from you to the child. That means you're just changing the social security number from yours to them. And then you start the process all over again. You put it into an age-based option based off the child's age, which would be zero. And then you allow it to grow. Why that strategy works and why some people will do that is what I start off with. College costs are extremely high and you want to start preparing as soon as you're able to. And sometimes 18 years might not be an appropriate amount of time or enough time for you to invest for your child. So because of that, it's really critical to start as early as you possibly can. And that's why I started now, my child will have a choice on what they want to do. They can go off to any type of higher education. I think my only rule will be that they have to get a higher education. I don't care what it is, but that's going to be important. They could go off to the military. That's fine as well. 
I am a Navy brat myself, and I come from a long lineage of Navy, Army, and Air Force vets. So, you know, that's definitely on the table as well, if that's what they want to do. But they will have enough money to go off. And based off my projection, they will have enough money to go off to school and use all that money if they want to. So that's something that you can consider if you plan on having kids into the future. Another cool thing about 529 accounts is let's say Mark Jr. goes off to school and he has $200,000 invested for him to go off to school, but he only uses $100,000. Let's say he goes to you know, a neighboring community college in Georgia. So the other $100,000, can't talk today, the other $100,000, you can actually roll over to a sibling. Let's say I have you know, a daughter or another son or wherever it might be. I can roll it over to them. Or I can go off to school. My future partner could go off to school, right? So you can transfer the 529 money to literally anyone up to first cousins. So that's the game changer. I think a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to put money to 529 because if I take it out and they don't use it for school, and I'm going to be taxed and be penalized and woe is me. You can transfer it to other people. You can transfer it up to first cousins. So if your uncle wants to go off to school, you can transfer it to them. If your siblings want to go off to school, you can transfer it to them. If your grandmother wants to go off to school and maybe get a certification in you know, computer science, whatever it might be, they can use that money as well. So that's how it works. And what the rich tend to do is they super fund, I call it super funding, their 529 accounts every single year knowing that the first child is not going to use all that money, but it's basically a trust account for their entire family, which is like really, really cool. So, you know, at Vanguard, there are times where I'm not going to use the actual name, but let's say, you know, Johnson, there's a Johnson fund. They'll call it the Johnson family trust fund in like dash college or something like that. And what will happen is one kid will go off to school. They'll transfer it to the cousin that kid will go off to school. And then as they're doing this over multiple generations, the money is growing exponentially. And at the end of it, you know, they just have all this money that they don't know what to do with that. They just use it to fund the education of their kids and nephews and nieces and cousins and all that. So that's how that works. And that's a secret that I feel like no one ever talks about, but I do. Now, you know, they go off to school, they graduate. Let's say they have student loans. As of a couple of years ago, you can now use your 529 money for student loans. So let's say you have a cousin who did not use the 529 account and they have student loans, $10,000 of student loans. You can transfer it to them. They can use the 529 money for their student loans, and that is tax-free. So that's another strategy if you have a 529 account and extra funds. Now, if you do have to take the money out, which I get it, you know, life happened. Let's say no one in your family is able to use it. You take the money out. I think people are just, oh, I'm going to be taxed on it. Oh, my God, I'm going to, you know, penalty. In the grand scheme of things, the only tax that you really need to worry about or the only penalty that I would not want to pay is that 10% penalty, right? So let's say you take the money out and we use really simple numbers. 24% is going to be a tax. If that was a brokerage account, you would have had to pay that anyhow. So I think people use that as an excuse for not wanting to put money to a 529 account to prepare their children for a higher education. But that tax would have been paid anyhow in your brokerage account. It would be that 10% right, of the earnings that you would have to pay and you have to pay a penalty on. 
right? So of the earnings, not the money that you put in. So in that 25 minutes, I give you hopefully an understanding on like why I'm so passionate about investing for your kids, why I love 529 accounts so much, and then how 529 accounts could work for you and your family. And if you're curious about other ways that you can invest for kids, what I'm doing is I'm updating my checklist that you will see in the link in the show notes. I updated checklist. So if you click on the last link in the checklist, it's called, am I investing for my kids? So for anyone who doesn't know what the checklist is, let me explain that. The checklist is 21 points that you must hit in order to get your finances in order. There's more of like 23 or 24 of them, but you know, the others are bonuses, but there are 21 items that I want you guys to hit for you to say, Hey, like I have my finances in order. My finances are in check. So people use this as a rubric to see if they're heading in the right direction. The big update that I made over the last month is that in that checklist, not only is it just a checklist, I also tell you how to make the changes. So if you say, hey, like, I don't know what my net worth is, you can click on the link and I'll show you exactly how to do it. Or if you say, hey, like, I want to know what accounts that I need to open up for my kids, you click the link and they'll open it up and they'll talk about 529 accounts, custodial Roth IRAs, which I'll maybe do a podcast on later. But that's what the checklist is all about. And then after you download the checklist, I'll provide you guys with very helpful tips through email on how you can improve your finances. But the first step is just downloading that. So if you're curious about how you can invest for your kids, click on the link in the show notes, download the checklist. And from there, I'll show you, I want to say four or five different ways on how you can invest for your kids. But in future episodes, we'll talk about custodial Roth IRAs. We'll talk about youth accounts, which is basically a brokerage account for kids that are between 13 and 17. And then we'll also talk about custodial IRAs in general, and then other ways that you can invest for your kids, like UTMAs and UGMAs, Uniform Transfer to Minors Accounts, and Uniform Gift to Minor Accounts. So we'll go through all that into the future. But Hopefully that helps you understand how to invest for your kids through a 529 account, why I love 529 accounts. And as always, guys, if you have any questions, you guys know where to find me on Instagram. Feel free to send me a message at any time. But with that, I am out. You guys have a great week and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for tuning in to the Bear Wallet Podcast. If you learned something new during today's episode, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. We would also love a rating and review as well. In closing, remember the goal is to live a better life through taking control of your money. We want our money to work hard for us so we can live the life that we've always imagined. I'll see you on the next episode.